Jonah chapter number four. We're going to end today with uh, the last decision that Jonah makes. And uh, we've been talking about the decisions Jonah's made and the rebellion, uh, the repentance, the revival. But there was something that took place after the revival that to me is uh, kind of uh, odd that this would take place in Jonah's life. Uh, I would say that uh, as we, even as, we, as we've ended a revival, I, I think that it, it even happens to us. But he makes a decision to, after the revival, we saw in, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse number 10 how God saw their works because of what they had done. He, he, uh, to, he says, I'm not going to do evil upon them. I'm not going to do that to them because of their works of how good they were. And because they repented and they went back to God and they returned to the Lord and and uh, they, they, just, they sent out a decree across all of, all of Nineveh that they would all worship the one true God. Man, and as we look at this, <coughs> I don't know about you, but I feel like that I might even would have a fit about it. I might would even be excited about what took place in Nineveh as, as, as all, of, all of Nineveh got right. I mean, can you imagine sitting here with me and, and as, we've, as, as this taking place, can you imagine that a whole city would, would get right? Think about if, if the city of Nederland, they, de- they declared a decree across the city of Nederland that there was only one God, and there was only one God to worship. I don't know about you, but I'd be excited about what took place. And, and they said, no, 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 you can't worship anything else but worship God and worship the true God who is who's the only God. And uh, they said, this is who we're going to worship. Man, I would be excited about what would take place. But that's not what takes place with Jonah. You know, and you know, as a, as a kid, you know, I don't know that I, I ever got told the chapter number four story. I always got told the story of how Jonah went in and preached a revival, and everyone believed that God would believe it. But I, I, no one ever told me chapter four. When I got old enough to read it, I, I, I found out chapter four exists, and it kind of blew my mind a little bit that Jonah would act this way. But I feel like sometimes. After we've seen God do a mighty work, we come around to chapter number four, and this is us. Because it wasn't big enough. It wasn't great enough. He didn't do what I thought he would do. And God worked. Look, let's read chapter number four, if you will. Let's all stand. Let's read chapter four. Verse number one. Bible says, listen to what he says here. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly and he was very angry he was mad he was ticked off he was upset that God that God did this look <coughs> and he prayed unto the Lord and said I pray thee O Lord was not this my saying when I was yet in my country therefore I fled before unto Tarshish for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful and slow to anger of great kindness and repentest thee of the evil. Therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then said the Lord, Dost, Doest thou well to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what the Lord, what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a gourd, and it made, and it made to come up over Jonah. 
and it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad over the gourd. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd and it withered. And it came to pass when the sun did arise that Jonah prepared, or God prepared a vehement east wind <coughs> and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah and he fainted and he wished in himself to die and said it is better for me to die than to live and God said to Jonah doest thou well to be angry for the gourd and he said I do I do well to be angry even unto death then said the Lord thou hast had pity on the gourd for the which thou hast not labored, neither madest it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons, cannot discern between their right hand and their left hand. <coughs> and also much cattle. Let's pray. Lord, we've come to you this morning. We've asked, we've already prayed, we've spent time praying this morning. But again, I want to ask one more time that you would fill me with your words. Fill me with your spirit. Empty me of self. Lord, don't, don't put, uh, put all the thoughts you want in my head to say, Lord, I please do not allow me to say anything that I should not. Lord, let us look at this and be convicting to us all this as we finished, we finished the revival, we've come out on the other end, and let's look at ourselves and where we stand. We love you, and in the strong name of Jesus, we pray, amen and amen. You may be seated. So I want to give you this thought. The choice of, of Jonah is to have remorse. I'm going to give you an introduction. It will be about Jonah's life, but I'm going to take you to another scripture and just refer scripture to scripture and, and, and give you one simple thought, a couple thoughts. And we'll and uh, we'll be done. But as we look at this, he was. <clears throat> I would like to say that as Jonah, he in verse number one of chapter four, the Bible says that he it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. He was very angry that God would save Nineveh. Now, if you will go back with me to Jonah chapter one, God came to him and said, "I want you to go to Nineveh." He says, "No, I'm running. I don't think that they need the word of God." So. He chose uh, at the beginning that he didn't think that Nineveh needed God's word. Well, here he is a couple chapters later. I don't know how many days later, but at this time, the Bible says that he went through the city. In Jonah chapter 3, he said he went through the city and he preached 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So I don't know. It could have been 40 days. It could have been about 50 days. It could have been, I don't know, a couple months worth of, Here's Jonah, he's mad, he's ticked off, and so here he is, sitting underneath of a tree, pouting and whining because God decided that he was going to save a city that he wished was dead. He was mad. He was mad that God saved a city that he wished that they, those people would die. They had revival. They Look what God did. He was upset. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I can't imagine even being in this place, being in this situation... But I, I, I would say this to be true, that, that Jonah was already backslidden. You say, what do you mean? Look at this statement in verse number 1 of chapter number 4. Verse number 10 in chapter number 3. He says, and the Lord saw their works, and he repented of the evil that he would do unto them. And Jonah was 
exceedingly mad, angry, upset, discouraged, dismayed. Uh, what is going on? He was already backslidden. God just did a wonderful work and he was already backslidden. He was already away from God. He was already at a place where he hated the Ninevites again. Was he not just there a couple chapters ago when he was in the belly of the well? He was, but he still chooses to be there today. I'm upset, or at this time period, upset that God would save the Ninevites. Maybe, maybe he thought that the works that God did wasn't enough. Maybe he thought that the Ninevites' works weren't enough to save them from their sin. And, and, here's, and here's the greatest deal. Is it's, not about, <coughs> it's not about you and I looking at somebody else's life and saying, well, God didn't forgive them enough. They haven't done enough good yet. Well, they haven't done enough good yet. God can't forgive them. That's not how God works. And that's not how things work here. Hey, look, God doesn't look at me and say, look, he's done enough works, I'll forgive him. No, God forgives us not on our merit, but on his merit, on his good, on his deed, on what he did on the cross. He forgives us of our sin, not because of what we've done, but because of what he has done. There is not one good thing in me that makes me deserve the forgiveness of God. I don't care how much praying I do. I don't care how much good I do. I don't care how many good deeds I do. I don't deserve God's forgiveness and never will. But God doesn't forgive me on my merit. He forgives me on his merit. So he can be all upset all he wants to because he, God forgave Nineveh. Look what he did. God forgave Nineveh. He ought to be excited about that. But he wasn't. He was upset. He was mad. He was exceedingly he, it displeased Jonah. It made him upset. Look at Jonah's anger, verse number 1. Look at Jonah's prayer, verse number 2 and verse number 3. What did he pray for? Look in verse number 2. What does he pray for? He said, I prayed unto the Lord. He said, O Lord. He said, hey. He said, uh, he said, therefore I fled before Tarshish, for I knew that thou art a gracious God. And a merciful and slow to anger and great kindness and repentance out of the evil. Therefore, now, O oh Lord, I beseech you, take my life. What's wrong with him? His prayer, <coughs> he was so upset, he was angry. His prayer was, God, take me out of here. I can't handle all these wicked, evil heathens getting right. And here I am, here I am, just watching it all take place. What is wrong with him? But I, I truly think that that's sometimes what happens to us Christians. Some guy walks in, he doesn't look like he, he belongs in church, and he's, he's got a long list of bad things he's done. Well, here comes he. Harold, here, here he is again. That's us. That's what Jonah said over there, sulking and mad and upset, because those are the people that those were the people that were against them. Those were the people, the Assyrians, they had, they had fought them and killed them and captured them and kept them in captive. That's what, no, why, why is God saving them? Just kill me, just get me out of here because so I don't have to see this mess. Is that the wrong attitude to have? He was already backslidden. How in the world can you see God do a work like that? See people who don't even believe in God believe in just a minute and you want to stand there and say, man, do that. They probably didn't believe They probably didn't mean that prayer. That's how we are sometimes too. Well, did they really mean it? 
Well, I don't know if they meant it or not. God does. And that's all that matters. Well, are they really going to change? I'm not worried about that because I'm not the one that's got to change. God's the one that does the changing. Too many times we worry about, well, well, look at them. They're still going there. And look at that. They're still going there. God will change them. Hmm. His attitude, his attitude killed it. His attitude killed it. So we see his anger, we see his prayer, but look at God's reason. God's reason, look in verse number 6. God says, and the Lord prepared a gourd, and it made to come over to Jonah, and that he might be a shadow over his head. Look, he made a huge gourd to grow over top of Jonah, that it would shade him while he was there. But God said, I'm going to get him. I'm going to try to teach him a lesson. I'm going to try to teach him how important it is that, look, he didn't just grow the gourd to give him shadow. He grew the gourd to show Jonah what was really meaningful. So he grew the gourd, and the gourd grew enough overnight, is what the Bible says, enough overnight to give him shadow during the day. Well, he's all excited about this gourd. Here, Jonah's all excited. Verse number 6, So Jonah was exceedingly glad <coughs> of the gourd. <clears throat> but look, because he was so glad and so excited about the gourd, God says, I'm going to get him. Verse number 7. But God prepared a worm when the morning rose the next day and it smote the gourd that it what? It withered. It was no longer a shade to him. It was no longer good to him. It was no longer meaningful to him. I'm not a gardener, but I would say that as a gardener, you go out to your garden and you had a worm that ate up all your gourds or ate up all your squash or ate up all your overnight. Boy, I'd be ticked off. I'd be mad. I'd be mad that some little, some little worm got in my garden and destroyed everything that I'd worked for. There Jonah is. He hadn't worked a dime for this. He didn't plant the gourd. He didn't plant. He didn't get out there and sow the field. He didn't get out there and plant the seed. He didn't get out there and water the gourd. He didn't do nothing to gain that gourd. And that gourd popped up. Whoop! And God sent a worm and destroyed the gourd. And Jonah's mad again. Look at verse number 9. And, uh, or verse number, <clears throat> verse number eight. And God prepared a vehement east wind, a very strong wind, and the sun beat upon the head of Jonah, and he fainted and wished himself to what? Die. There he is again. I want to die. I want to die. Get me out of here. His choice to have remorse. I don't understand this choice. Well, look, I don't understand some choices some people make either. It's not. Sometimes it's not meant for us to understand people's choices but understand that we can learn from other people's choices. And I need to learn from Jonah's choice that when something, when God works and when God does an amazing thing, I don't need to have the attitude of Jonah. It was about himself. It was about self-pity. Oh, look at me. Look what I've done. No, no, no. God, kill me. I don't know what to do. Instead of God, look at that amazing work that you just did. Verse number 10, 9. And God said to Jonah, Doest thou well to be angry before the gourd? And then he said, I'll, I'll be angry unto death. Verse number 10, And God said, Thou hast pity on the gourd. And you didn't labor, and you didn't make it grow, and in a night it perished. <coughs> he said, You have pity on the gourd. You're upset at the gourd because it died, because it, it shriveled up and died. <coughs> what is wrong with you, Jonah? What's wrong with you, Jonah? In verse number 11, look, listen to what God says to him. 
And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein more than six score thousand persons that discern, that cannot discern between right, the, the right hand and their left hand, and also much cattle. God says, what are you so upset about? You're upset over a stinking gourd that it would die more than you are over that city that I just saved. How is it that we will be so upset over things that are so trivial that mean nothing in eternity? Nothing. This, this had no weight in eternity, this little stupid gourd that grew up, but he was so upset over what happened to that. His attitude about the, the present events. If you will, you can go with me. You don't have to. I'm just going to read a scripture text from the book of John. Book of John, chapter number 21. There, something interesting takes place. Jesus has risen from the dead. And, and, and uh, he's, he's risen from the dead. Wouldn't you think that everybody would be excited about Jesus rising from the dead and let's worship Jesus and see what's going on. But, but listen to what takes place. Jesus has, they, they just ran to the tomb in the, in the chapter before. And they found that the tomb was empty. And they found the grave clothes where they were. I'd be excited about that, wouldn't you? But in John, in John chapter number 21 and verse number 1. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples of the Sea of Tiberias. And on the wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas, Didymus, uh, and Nathaniel of Galilee, a Canaan of Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and the two other disciples. Simon Peter saith unto them, Guess what he says? He said, I just got done looking at the resurrected Savior. And Peter says in verse number 3, I go a fishing. You know what he wants to do? I'm going to go fishing. Why don't we just go fishing? Because Peter had just seen the resurrected Lord and he's worried about going fishing. He's worried about going down to, to, to get in a boat that he used to have and throw the nets out that he used to have and go fishing with his old buddies that he used to have instead of doing what God had called him to do, instead of spreading the gospel in which he was told to do. He said, nope, I'm going fishing. Too many times we've seen God work and do a great work and we're like, ah, well, all right, I'm going fishing. The trivial things, the things that don't matter. Peter goes down there and goes fishing and he takes a bunch of people with him. And he goes fishing all night long. Guess what he catches? Nothing. And then Jesus shows up and the Bible says that they didn't even know who Jesus was. They didn't even recognize him. What's wrong with them? Their, their Vermonter, their, 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 uh, their, uh, their way of seeing, their vision was messed up. They couldn't even tell that it was Jesus. Because they were backslidden already. How could you throw your fishing pole, go back? Look, what was Peter before he became a disciple? He was a fisherman. And so what is his decision to do when Jesus shows up out of the grave? Hey, let's go fishing. Let's throw, let's throw everything you've done. Let's throw all those miracles you've just completed. Let's, oh, oh, let's go fishing. Forget this. Forget this ministry thing. Let's go fishing. What does Jonah do? Man, God just did a work. God just had revival. All these people got saved. Oh, man, look at this gourd. You've seen God work. You've seen God move. 
I don't know about you, but I had a great week. And I got stirred. And, and look, and to be honest with you, there's some things in my life that I changed during revival. But you know what? We can turn around a week later and I'll go fishing if we're not careful. And same with you. Did, did God work in your life? Did God convict you? Did you see God do a work? Then why are you worrying about going fishing? Why are you worried about the gourd that doesn't mean anything? What does that gourd have to do with anything? What does that gourd have to do with anything in the future of, 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 of your life? Nothing. Because tomorrow that gourd's gone. Only, only what's done in this life will last. You say what? For Christ. That's all that's going to matter. Because his attitude was about <coughs> the present things rather than the future things. He was worried about what was taking place today. He was worried about what was taking place right this, right there in this moment. Was God going to take care of it? Was God going to pre preserve the future of Jonah? Was God going to preserve the future of Israel? Yes, he was. <coughs> His attitude was of the present. His attitude was, uh, was to try to fix things instead of let God fix things. I got it. I don't understand it. I'm, I'm about done. And we'll go home. I'll tell you two different things. And I'll, I'll, uh, I believe this. Is we need to have our attitude not about the present, but about the future. Because that's what matters. That's what matters. The Bible says, set your affection on things above, not on things of this earth. We can be so concerned about everything that's taking place. Look, look at that gourd. Let's go fishing. Instead of, hey, get my eyes on the Savior and quit worrying about this stuff down here. And then number two, the attitude to remember to keep those things which I have committed to. What was Peter supposed to be committed to? Who was he supposed to be committed to? Jesus Christ. And what did he do the moment that he saw Jesus Christ resurrected from the grave? Nah, I'll go fishing. And who was Jonah supposed to be committed to? The Lord. And the moment he saw something didn't go his way, the moment he saw that, oh man, things aren't going to work out like I thought they would, what does he say? Man, I wish I died. I just wish I died. Let's not have that attitude. Our attitude to commit to keep those things which we have committed and the attitude of the future. Worried about things in the future. Why do we do what we do right here? It's so that, so that someone might get saved. So that someone might, someone might bow their head and trust Christ. Why? So that. So that. What's your attitude toward? Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. Thank you for allowing us to be together this morning. I pray.